All right, Ross, are you there? I am. Nice. We've we've uh, tested about uh, a dozen mics to to get the quality of sound that Ross will be in today. So, uh, so Ross, I'm 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 going to publish these episodes in the coming weeks, and they're just more like low key, laid back, as if someone like you sat down with someone like me and we just chatted. And if people want to listen in, that's fine. They can listen in, and if not, well. They can move on to the next episode. <laughs> on the next episode, so. <laughs> and we have we have chatted a, a bit over the years, so so hopefully right. it'll, it'll come across as natural, as if you know. Yes, this isn't our first time we've met, so I'm curious uh, if I put into the Google uh, your name with Leading Saints. You, I interviewed you, thinking May of 2016. So wow, that was a while ago. That's when you were just like a little baby bouncing podcast yeah. or still getting those first teeth in, you know? Yeah. And then that, that is the pinnacle moment where <laughs> we exploded with downloads at that point. But anyways, most people don't know this. Well, let, let me, let me, let me continue with my intro. So what we're doing with these, this, I'm going to publish a bunch of just fun, laid back, interesting, uh, episodes. Some will just be maybe monologues with me sharing my opinion, which people seem to care about for some reason. And uh, but most of all, we want to encourage people as we're winding down to the end of the year that Leading Saints were a nonprofit, and people give to nonprofits uh, more in December than any other month. So hey, if you're out there and if you've enjoyed 2022 of Leading Saints, we need you to uh, go to leadingsaints.org/slash/donate and uh, help us out. Throw some money our way. Put do a monthly subscription, yearly subscription, whatever it is, and. Uh, Help us out. Now, Ross has actually been more involved with Leading Saints than the audience may realize is you've been on our board of directors for a few years. Is that right? I, I was. Yes, I was on the board of directors. It was, uh, it goes at the very top of my resume. Very, you know, like before anything else, <laughs> That's right. board member Leading Saints. Yeah. And then we got a call from his bishop and they said, hey, listen, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No. So <laughs> Ross and I, we were in the same stake together. I used to have authority over Ross, which I, uh, abused abused uh, yes uh, in so many ways is it a 121 uh, violation a that's, sexual yeah, 121 violation like yeah i don't know what you're talking about but yes probably violations um so i we were in the same stake when i served in the state presidency there and got to know each other there and i thought man this guy's got such a brain he needs to be on our board of directors and uh we we benefited from your intellect for so many years so oh, how thanks. would you introduce yourself ross uh, well, it depends on the audience. I mean, uh, you know, for uh, most people, I I'm a, I own my own software company. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, self-employed. Uh, for those that are a little bit more daring, uh, I do have my own much uh, uh, podcast, much smaller than Leading Saints. Very, very small. It's not <laughs> after uh, this, Ross. Not after this, yes. <laughs> uh, where I explore various issues surrounding you know, problems that may be occurring, uh, uh, bad things that may be happening. Uh, but also I, I try and mix in religion and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I look at, you know, technology and politics and kind of whatever, I mean, it's sort of like this, uh, this endeavor you're doing where you just talk to people about whatever hits their mind. Yeah. That's kind of what my podcast is, whatever I feel like talking about. So, uh, <laughs> nice. but, uh, but I have come up with some, some interesting ideas, I think. So, uh, yeah. And what's anyway. the name of this podcast, Ross? It's called We Are Not Saved. And where did the name come from? Came from the scripture Jeremiah 820, 
uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, who's lamenting the, uh, the decline of, uh, of the house of Israel and, and Judea, says, uh, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. And I kind of feel like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a little bit of a pessimist. People accuse me of that. But I kind of feel like that's where the state we're in with the world is that we've had this amazing harvest. We had this summer, but it didn't, it didn't quite put us over the top, right? That people uh-huh. are now discovering that technology doesn't solve all their problems. And some of the things they thought were good things end up being bad things like, you know, social media, maybe. That's, yeah. that's the common boogeyman, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so are you a, picked on by everybody. Are you a pessimist by nature, Ross? I mean, what's that sounds? I mean, that's not a hopeful message there. I am a little bit pessimistic, but I, I also feel like um, that uh, you know, getting back to the scriptures, if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear, kind of thing. That yeah. if you if you kind of assume sort of a negative outcome, that uh, if a positive outcome comes along, then who cares? You're doing great, right? You, you, it doesn't matter. But if a negative outcome happens then you know then your preparation will be uh, you'll you'll really be grateful for it right yeah yeah and this is why i mean this goes to why i originally invited you to be a part of the the board of directors because you really help me as i get carried away maybe too optimistic at times with certain ideas and you help me pump the brakes at times and just be like <laughs> well let me give you three things to consider i'm like oh yeah i hadn't considered that and it's really served me well as it's hopefully served you well but so as you're making this content, like what are the common themes that keep coming up? I mean, cause you touch on politics a lot, like you said, technology and when, and you've always sort of loop it back with a, a gospel framing or, or, you know, you're speaking as a Latter-day Saint as you talk, talk yeah. about these things. Right. I think a common theme is the, the, that everybody looks at kind of similar to you when you were thinking of bold new ideas for leading saints. They always think of the, the first order outcome. Okay. We're going to do this and it's going to do this, right? Like it, we're going to create Facebook and it's going to allow people to talk to people all over the world, right? Yeah, we're connecting. The, it's beautiful. Like connecting. It's beautiful. I can share uh, my grandma. quote about Jesus that has the wrong, you know, reference and will bring people to Christ. Right. Right. Exactly. But they don't consider the second order effects that, you know, that by creating anonymity, Maybe people are, are more, seem, feel more free to express their negative opinions or attack other people. And I think a common theme I refer to is, is these negative second order effects. And then from that, I often, as you say, do bring it to religion or, or kind of a more, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but maybe a more traditional outlook in the sense that, well, all the people who came before us also dealt with bad things and they created you know, strong families are around because kind of no matter what happens, if you have a strong family, then you've got a place to land, right? And if you create a strong community, if you create a strong, you know, ward, right? And if you uh, don't get too wrapped up in, in, in things, I mean, obviously the church has lots of warnings about addiction, addictive behavior and stuff like that. And I think that mm-hmm. I try and bring it back to, if we follow, you know, some of the traditions of our great pioneer ancestors, you know, <laughs> not be too yeah. glib, then a lot of these things are not going to be as bad as they as they as they could be. Yeah. So so give me an example. Maybe you sitting in a Sunday school class and you hear something, or or just in your day to day comings and goings. Uh, like how, how do we simple oversimplify that too much? Or? Well, uh, I think it's very common these days to want to you know like predict stuff. I think I've seen a lot of people where 
you know, they want to, they want to predict the election, right. And they want to know exactly who's going to win. Right. And, and so a lot of, a lot of expectations are bound up in this idea of making the right prediction and being able to predict the future is, is a good thing. Right. I mean, like if you can, (laughs) being able (laughs) knowing what the future holds is, is great, but they, I think they overlook how difficult that is. And then they're kind of unprepared when their prediction turns out to be wrong. Right. They, they, they spend a lot of time focusing on, well, what if I'm right? You know, what if I'm right about this, but they don't spend very much time focusing. Well, what if we're wrong? Right. Mm. You know, what, what if it turns out that, uh, that our plan doesn't work out as well as we could, or what if it turns out that Trump, despite being given the chance of, you know, a better chance of making the NBA finals and being elected president, what if he actually is elected president? Do we have a, <laughs> do we have a contingency plan for that or are we great? You know I mean? What, yeah, I mean, yeah. Once again, and, and, not too political, but but they they don't they don't focus on the five percent chance that they're wrong because five percent chance happen one in twenty times, and if they do, and you're not prepared for them, you can be in early bets. Yeah, and and do we sometimes fall in that trap when we sort of mix God into it? Like, oh well, God definitely wouldn't let this happen, or that person get elected, or the economy to go this direction. I mean, is that part of the the trap? Oh yeah, that's an excellent uh, that's an excellent uh, uh, point. Uh, Ross I've, doesn't say that to me very often, so I just I'm so glad we we have that recorded. Anyways, <laughs> continue. Well, and you'll see that. I mean, I remember uh, seeing that one time where you know the the ward will plan an outdoor activity that really requires great weather, right? And 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 I've I've heard people say, well, you know, God will not let it, you know, rain on our balloon launching, yes. you know, like activity, right? Yes. Well, I mean. God expects us to kind of, you know, exercise our own intelligence and figure things out. And so he may very well rain on your great act or activity. And, you know, it's nice to have, and that's obviously a very minor example, but I have seen people, you know, and, and, and it kind of gets to some of the reasons a lot of people are not religious anymore is they assume that, you know, if God is good, then bad things shouldn't happen. Right. And they, they extend it out all the way, but even in the LDS community, in the, in the, in the community of the saints, I guess that's uh Right. We're no longer leading LDS, we're leading saints. And the community right. of saints, sometimes they assume that, uh, you know, that, uh, that they're, whatever they plan, it will work out and they're not really prepared for the yeah. possibility that it won't. Yeah. And so this is sort of one of many topics that you just, you discuss as far as just maybe let's, let's step back and reassess like the dynamics happening as, as far as how we approach life or predictions or, and, and what, what the meaning that we, we put behind those, those things, right. Yeah. And, and reassess that. And this is another sort of tangentially related. I think we see, especially in the context of leadership, I am like, I think I, a lot of people would maybe, I, I, I this is an atypical approach. I think for especially someone as orthodox as I am, as far as the revelatory process in the church where, you know, we, we, we have a lot of talk around, well, you know, the, this person was called by God or, you know, this, uh, the, the inspiration happening in a ward and whatnot. And, uh, and yeah, I've, I've been in these positions and I felt that like, you know, left turn encouragement, you know, as, as I was going to turn right and suddenly I want to turn left and make a different decision comes up. But I think a lot of the times like God has just, he's not, and, and this is where I get in trouble is I, I wouldn't necessarily say God isn't in the details of all the things the the decisions we make or the people we call an award or whatnot. But a lot of the time he's just like, you know, I, 
I formed you. I put your brain together and I gave you life experience. Like just make a decision and I'm good with it. Right. And, but sometimes we'd like to go back to the more simplified narrative of, well, you know, you know, God, God came to me or I, I felt this impression that this person was supposed to be stake president or whatever. I'm like, well, actually, you know, you, you interviewed a bunch of people and you got some names and you made the best decision with the information you had and you prayed about it and took it to God and make sure that it's all good. But at the end of the day, you know, you sort of pick the person and that's okay. That's part of the revelatory process. Sure. Well, and it can uh, and also be something that inevitably that, that can degrade someone's testimony. If, if you're in a position, a leadership position, and you really feel strongly like this person should be my first counselor, right. in the bishop mm-hmm. or whatever, to give an example, mm-hmm. And then later it turns out they're cheating on their wife, right? You're going to wonder like, well, is, is anything true, right? Because I really felt very strongly this guy was supposed to be my first counselor. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then he did this bad thing. <laughs> yeah. And so was I unworthy? Was he unworthy? What, you know, what happened? And yeah, we should be able to, you know, understand free agency and whatever else. But I think if we put too much commitment on, you know, the way we think things are supposed to work out, then when things don't work out that way, it can blindside us. And, and yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I know people who've, you know, their testimony has kind of been, you know, been shattered by that one bad thing. That's like, well, wait a second, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, going back to that leadership dynamic, I, I, so, so many times, like when a new bishopric is called or a new bishop put in place or even a stake president, I want to be like at the back of the chapel holding a big sign that says, don't say it. And that is all these new leaders, they feel like they need to, like testify that they knew this call was coming, right? Like right. Well, I, I felt the inclinations of like, well, why does that matter? And, and the reality is there's 30 other men in this room felt the same thing. And now they're like confused, you know, it's just <laughs> messy. And and I believe it. Like sometimes, yeah, you do feel that thing, that prodding of like, Oh, it's going to be, right. you. but to assume that you're the only one that felt that is, is just not just, just don't say it. Just don't go there. Just write it in your journal and right, get yeah. with it. But, but we have this, feeling of like, I need, oh, I need to share that like there's something mystical is happening here. When it's really, no, like don't say that. Anyway. Well, and they feel like it's going to be a faith promoting experience. Like yeah. God had a plan and I could see his plan and now I'm the bishop. But yeah. for the 29 people who didn't, who had the vague impression they might be bishop, who didn't get it, it's a faith, you know, a destroying experience or at least exactly. yeah. a degrading experience for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I want to make sure I've got, I've got, uh, this is like a typical lunch session with Ross right here where we talk about all sorts of things, but I want to make sure like if there's a specific project or article, because you, you, you do a lot of writing, obviously uh, with your podcast and whatnot, you, you share a lot of those writings and whatnot, like any other topic that you want to make sure we cover before I get ahead of myself and take us down. Well, the wormhole. I mean, there, there is, you remind me of, of one topic that I, I want to make sure to get out and it, uh, and it kind of relates. So, uh, one of the one of the great things about the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints is its kind of core theology. It's sometimes they call it the cosmology, right? Because it's we you know we're definitely Christians. <laughs> you know, get in fights about that. I agree. Yes, but, uh-huh. but yes, but the 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 uh, you know some of the aspects of our uh, like a preexistence is unique, right? We don't believe in the in the Trinity in the same way some other people do. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the best things that, I mean, from an earliest age that really helped me was the idea that life is a test. And if it's a test, you're going to have hard questions and you're going to have easy questions, right? And you're going to have, you throw in a curveball and whatever else, right? And so that's, 
that's uh, a, a very interesting perspective, and it's one that a lot of uh, Christians don't have. But interestingly, it's been it's been buttressed, and I, I end up talking about this maybe more than I should on my blog. It's been buttressed, and from an unusual source, it's been buttressed by the field of of AI risk. Actually, okay, wait a minute. AI risk. Like you're saying, like, obviously AI is sort of coming artificial, on the scene, right? Yeah. Artificial, yes. Chat, G, chat GPT, artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's a big yes. thing. It is, is in right. the news, right? It is in the news and people are talking to computers more often and getting, right. <laughs> getting responses, intelligent responses from that. Right. So, yeah. And this is what fascinates, like, cause I know you do a lot of thought and study in this world of sort of future, I, I would frame it as sort of futuristic, like sure. technology stuff, which is kind of cool. Cause I mean, when we go to church on Sunday, we don't want to go there. It's sort of like, no, like God has a plan. And and again, we go back to this feeling of like, oh, well, God would never let, you know, singularity happen where AI takes over because that's not right. part of the plan. But it's like, well, I mean, what if it did? What would that look like? And, you know, I, again, we, we like to simplify it so that it doesn't get out of our control intellectually, right? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, but so you look at something like chat GPT and they're worried about it getting out of control. They're worried that it will, you know, be used to create, you know, objectionable content. They're you, they're worried that it will turn out to be racist, right? They're worried about, so there's all these. And give us a summary what chat GPT is. Okay. So chat GPT was a <laughs> conversational model. It was released recently by, I believe, OpenAI where if you go to chat GPT, you can sign up for an account and you can talk to it and it's very intelligent, right? And you can give it any command you want. You can say- It's like talking to Alexa on steroids. You right, say. like mm-hmm. write me an essay about the American Revolution highlighting the role of Alexander Hamilton and it will mm-hmm. totally do that, right? <laughs> and so lots of people are worried that essays as an assignment for school children is at an end, okay? Because the kids will just go to chat ah, GPT and be like, it, they'll, they'll type in their assignment and it will, like, it will just produce it and they'll turn it in, right? Yeah. And so um, so that, that there's small sale risks, like it will do something we don't like. But the bigger scale risk is people are worried that, that something like chat GPT will get smarter and smarter. It will have its own goals, Mm-hmm. And eventually, it'll you know become self-aware, like Skynet from Terminator or something, right. and, and and outsmart us as mortal beings, right? right. Outsmart mm-hmm. us, and it will end up you know taking over the world and deciding that it doesn't need us, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah, and there's all these science fiction scenarios, which if you get into it, you can get pretty you can pretty deep down the rabbit hole if you, yeah. <laughs> if you get into it. And and where do you think this is like? How does this, where are the crossroads with, with the gospel in the future? I mean, as far as obviously you talk about your prediction, your predictions in general, and you would second guess your own predictions, I'd assume, but uh, like the way you see it going and then mixing that with like, does church dramatically change or like, does, I mean, what changes in our Latter-day Saint go lucky experience? With, with the availability of chat GPT or or just like AI in general? Well, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting point because because if they were able to sort, well, I kind of feel like they won't be able to ge- generate true intelligence because from an LDS theology perspective, intelligence seems like a special thing, right? Like yeah. in Abraham, God saw the intelligences which existed before the world was, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and I think in the Doctrine of Covenants, it talks about intelligence or the light of truth, right? So mm-hmm. it seems like like an actual conscious, intelligent, self-aware thing is kind of something special, right? That we couldn't just cook it up in a lab. But if we could, then I mean, that would be, that would, that would, ha- I mean, 
for me, that would uh, bring up some interesting questions about the book of Abraham and the way we understand things. Like, sure, yeah. Are we supposed to be creating these intelligences? But then also, we see in the book of Abraham that God's going kind of this through the same process that people who are worried about AI risk, they're worried they're going to be able to create intelligences. They're worried that these intelligences are going to be amoral and that they'll eventually be super powerful. In the book of Abraham, God has these intelligences. He wants to test their morality. We will prove them herewith to see if uh-huh. they will do all the things before he gives them like the second estate or godlike power or whatever else, right? So you're looking at the same three steps in Abraham that AI risk researchers are independently, without ever reading Abraham, to the best of my knowledge, <laughs> have come up with. They're using the same three things, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, so I think that you know whether they're able to create true genuine intelligence that that might be above my pay grade but whether the the system of creating more mortality is a test whether that's you know whether that ha- whether that's the way to go about it is it's interesting that it kind of independently the ai risk researchers arrived at kind of the same like they have their own sort of plan of salvation that resembles very clearly the uh, the plan of salvation we have right they they have, they've got to have kind of a pre-existence. They've got to have like a, a veiled existence where they test the AI to make sure it's moral, right? Before, you know, and so there ends up being, and I think that that's interesting because if, you know, if the gospel is true, then you ought to be able to arrive at that truth independently by other sources. It might, you know, you might want to multiple people arrive at the same point. And I, I think we are seeing that a lot with uh, a lot of things recently that are kind of futuristic, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, um, cause I guess where the, like the rubber hits the road with this technology is when our intellect combines with the AI intellect, right? That, you know, when we're actually inserting things in our brain or, um, putting hardware, <laughs> cause some, some would argue that this, this merging of computer and man has already happened with smartphones because everybody's carrying one around and referring to it. And I often wonder, like, is there a point where somebody stands up in general conference and says, uh, we forbid you of putting hardware in your brain or whatever, when, which is difficult when the rest of the world does that. And now they're, you know, superior intellectually or, you know, or, or physically or whatever it be. But I don't know. Is that, uh, what comes to mind? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's where they, you know, they call uh, creating cyborgs, right? And I yeah, think yeah. Elon Musk is working on something with Neuralink that would actually go in your head. But I do think that uh, that this is one of the second order consequences that I was talking about earlier. When, that when we offload, uh, you know, our thinking to something else, we would think like, oh, the phone would be great, right? Because we can look up whatever we need, and we don't have to memorize stuff, and mm-hmm. and we can spend more time thinking deep thoughts, right? And Instead, we mostly don't, we, we mostly wonder where our phone is. We feel bereft without it. We, you know, we become more for yourself, Ross. I mean, come on. (laughs) One of my, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, or there's this on Reddit, they had this contest or a question. They said, what thing could you tell someone from 20 years ago that would be the most surprising? Hmm. And someone's entry was, I have advice in my pocket. And it gives me access to all the world's knowledge, but I mostly use it to look at cat pictures and argue with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The potential's there, but we often fumble the football, I guess. Right. So, so lots of people dream of this, you know, like, 
you know, mind computer melding and how cool would that be? And we can, but we've tried it on a limited extent and it's mostly been kind of, you know, distracting and, and, and enervating, right? Yeah. It's mostly kind of left us weak and sort of at the, at the prey of video game designers and candy crush uh, creators. Yeah. And, and even like spirituality or religion, I mean, I'd sort of group that together almost pulls us like encourages away from that thing, right? We, we think that all oh, this, and which I guess in some contexts it's true. I mean, the scriptures on the phone, the family history dynamic, you know, we've done some really cool things, but as far as like personal growth and connection with God, it requires us almost to step away from those, those things and, you know, turn prayerfully or, you know, maybe we'll read the scriptures on the screen, but it's not, we're not trying to go deeper into the technology to connect with God. We often are trying to escape it to connect with yeah. God. Well, and uh, I'm very grateful to Kurt for uh, introducing me to Warrior Heart. Oh yeah, yeah, I've, go I've been to a few. Plug times. it in, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah, that's I mean, and that's a great experience, and it's a great experience because there's a community of of men there that you can uh, be involved in, and it's a great learning experience. But but certainly, if you're going to list the top five items, being completely disconnected from technology for uh, three days basically Mm -hmm. is, is way up there. Right. It's just kind of like, and being in nature and whatever else. And so, yeah, I I think, I think it's nice that the church has made a bunch of stuff available on the phone, but I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, they're going to be start, you know, pray with the assistance of this app. We really feel like your prayers will be more deep if you use, (laughs) you know, this tool in the gospel library, right. (laughs) That day is ever going to come because it's just not the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know the, another component to this is uh, with virtual virtual reality that I thought you know this is another technology that's sort of picking up some steam right and um, and not that I spend a lot of time with it but I've been to like some uh, virtual reality arcade and whatnot and some using some of those technologies like it's a mind trip you know it's 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 incredible just you can feel like you're another place and I've often wondered like you know because I think the the church as a as an organization leverages this, you know, new technologies as best it could. And we've seen some miraculous miracles, like I said, with, with scripture or with family history or whatnot. Um, but here's a prediction I'm going to throw out there to the universe. And maybe in 20 years, it won't sound as, as crazy, but um, I can see a time where maybe you go to, you know, the, the church is outfitted in a way that you go to church to attend the temple and you go into a certain part of the, the the, the church and right. it's a virtual reality experience, and you feel like you're in the temple. You you have the touch and feel of the, that's necessary for the temple, and you can worship as if in your temple. And for you, it can feel like a a real experience. And we can get more temple work done that way. Now, some people, I think, in our just you know, because we're not in the future, we we scoff at that thing. Oh, boy, right. no way! Like this is this must be a a real experience, whatnot. But I don't know, like I. It's fun to sort of play with those ideas, but yeah, you, you heard it here first, people. Virtual That's right. reality temple <laughs> temple endowments <laughs> coming in twenty forty two. Is that where? Is that yeah, where maybe. That where? I mean, uh, maybe twenty fifty two. We'll see. But uh. <laughs> I, I think they'll either. I think they'll probably come sooner than that, or not at all. I don't, okay, one or the but, other. All right. But I mean, well, I mean, to be fair to you, they. I mean, there they. There's all sorts of technology that's been implemented at the level mm-hmm. of the temple, right? I mean, they created movies to to try and you know, streamline things. They've got translation yeah. services. I remember uh, sitting in on a Tongan session one time and where I had headphones in English because everything was in Tongan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even the movie thing. I mean, that is a virtual 
reality experience, right? Yeah. You, they're, they're taking you to the, to the garden in a way that you're not literally in the garden, but it works. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, maybe, maybe that's, uh, maybe that, maybe that is coming, but I think, I think it gets back to this point where, uh, just because the church decides to do something doesn't mean that it's automatically going to work out. I think the church has yeah. to grapple with this new technology in the same way that, uh, that everyone else does. And, you know, and I think there's been some cases where the church has, uh, implemented something and then decided later, like, yeah, no, actually we prefer, <laughs> we prefer different ways. But I had a friend who converted in Colombia, and I thought, I had assumed that, oh, he met some missionaries in Colombia and he was converted, but no, he was converted entirely, uh, virtually online with zoom calls, uh, with, by the sister missionaries in Salt Lake city. Right. Oh, wow. That was a lot cool. of, yeah. Yeah. So, I've heard a few of those stories. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, I think, I think there is a lot of room for technology, but I don't think that, um, but I think we have to, we have to exercise wisdom the same as everybody else. Right. Yeah. Speaking of the church grappling with technology and you speaking from your software engineer background, well, <laughs> and I don't criticize the church, uh, at least, you know, I'm, I'm, that's not, that's not my, my, my thing, but I'm going to go here with, I don't know if they're ever going to get the search bar function on church of Jesus Christ.org ever figured out. I mean, it is, they've been promising it for years and my testimony is not shaking on this, but I'm just <laughs> saying it could be better. Okay. I, I have long complained about the, uh, the church's <laughs> technology department, but it, I mean, it's a hard problem. Writing software is a hard problem. Yeah. I remember, uh, they, they made everybody switch from the old, was it called the leader? What was that old pro software called that was installed locally? That you Clerk and leadership in? resources. Yeah. Or, isn't that L still a thing? LCR. Yeah, or, yeah, LCR. It was the LCR, wasn't it? Okay. I think so. Anyway, I digress, but they made everybody switch over to online for tithing. And we were trying to do tithing one time and it was Saturday, uh, it was Sunday morning and it wouldn't work and we failed and whatever. And so we, we got a hold of the church uh, support department and they're like, yeah, don't do tithing Sunday morning because <laughs> our servers can't handle it. Everybody's trying to do it Sunday morning and our servers just can't take it. And I'm like, I think, when did you expect people <laughs> to do their tithing? <laughs> like, cause you were in a bishopric doing tithing. That's what yeah, you're in a bishopric doing tithing with uh you know with the clerk and whatever and we couldn't get it to work because the t the website would time out because everybody was trying to do their tithing at 11 a.m utah time right or something uh -huh. like that and, uh -huh. and their servers couldn't handle it and so they told us oh yeah don't do tithing on sunday morning <laughs> <laughs> do it on, like you know do it like a monday evening nobody's on them <laughs> they didn't so literally just take a bag of cash home of, <laughs> just of take sacred of funds and figure it yeah. out you know yeah so but it's tough i mean i i i, I feel for them but uh yeah, yeah. there's I, I realize there's probably a well-intentioned department somewhere in the church who's really trying, but uh, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So it is. <laughs> <laughs> what what other topic haven't we covered, Ross? Uh Did we hit the I main know. ones? I it's, I mean that's uh those are the well, I mean, you want me to 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 uh walk through the ARS thing because there's it, it's yeah. amazing the kind yeah, what of what did we miss? Well, so so I came with this idea when I was reading a book on AI risk, uh, super intelligence by Nick Bostrom. If you mm, haven't picked it up yet, Ross, <laughs> haven't picked it up yet uh, next year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but he talked about how, well, if you're testing intelligence, you'd want to take it and you'd want to, you know, isolate it. And I'm like, Oh, you mean isolate it on like a different world behind maybe a veil, <laughs> you know, like, mm. where did, 
and he's and then he's like, well, and you'd want to create these. Uh, you'd want to create. He called them honeypots in software. That's where you create something that looks like a juicy place to for hackers to go and attack you, but it's really kind of a dead end. But you you capture and identify some attacks there before they attack your main thing. Anyway, uh, that's probably not important. But <laughs> okay. but he's like, well, we'd have to create these honeypots. I'm like, oh, you mean you'd have to tempt them? <laughs> oh my goodness! Right? <laughs> to see if they to see if they did evil, and then and then he's like, oh, well, and they couldn't just naively choose good. If if every decision they made that was good just turned out and it was awesome, then they would just choose good automatically without necessarily wanting to choose good, right? So you'd have to make evil look attractive almost like they'd have to be, they'd have to choose good, even though evil seemed like, you know, a better way to go or a quicker way to get what done what they wanted. And, uh-huh. and you'd have to, and you, and the test would have to be, if, if the test ever became easy to understand, the AI would figure out the test and they would just try and pass the test rather than displaying their morality, which is another thing like we were talking about. If every time you called somebody, to the position they were perfect for that position and nothing bad ever happened. Or if every time you plan an event, the skies were clear and no rain came, well then, then it would become easy to believe in the church, not because of your inner goodness, but because it's just the most convenient way to get good weather is to believe in the church. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then this, this is the one thing I was, I don't want to get too deep into this because there's a lot of, but this is the one thing that really we, we're mind. not already deep. I we're not we, okay. <laughs> we're, 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 people are already checked out. But this one thing blew my mind. He said, he said, so after you did all this, after you threw every test you could, every temptation, uh, if you made them suffer, you made and and if if you had an artificial intelligence that had passed all that, then maybe you could let him out of this containment and you could put him in charge of something because you could trust that. He's not going to turn Skynet. He's not going to, you know, wipe out humanity. He's finally, finally found a moral thing, uh, a moral AI. Well, it turns out one of the reasons why you've got to go through all this stuff is because AIs are so much different than us and how they think that you can't, you can't really trust them, right? You can't really trust. Mm -hmm. But if you had an AI that was perfect and had passed all the tests he would understand those AIs and he could vouch for them, right? Oh my goodness. You're blowing so, my mind, Ross. Right. <laughs> so, and, and you're saying like, this is, these are the type of conversations like really high tech uh, software engineers of AI are, are talking. Right. Well, yeah. So this is one of the conversations they might have. Like, what do you okay. do? If you, I mean, how would you create an AI that you could trust? Right. And I'm kind of making the leap from that AI you could trust would be able to vouch for other AIs. But, it, but it was, it was, I mean, when I realized that, it was like, wait a second. So Jesus and the atonement falls out of this whole discussion of AI risk, <laughs> just yeah. by virtue of the, of the idea of uh, that, that if you had someone perfect, you could trust them. And that's, you know, and it gets back to scriptures like no unclean thing can enter, you know, heaven, whatever. Well, why is that? Well, if, if the AI had ever done something really bad, you'd never be able to trust it with God-like powers. And if we've ever done something bad, unless someone can vouch for us that we've truly repented, uh-huh. And you can't trust us to not to, to screw up, you know, when we're creating worlds or whatever. I mean, I understand we're trying to minimize the, uh, you know, the, the everybody yeah. gets the world when they die. kind of. <laughs> but, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're saying is that God is a software engineer. 
Uh, maybe that's maybe that's the takeaway. <laughs> that's maybe that's what you should title the the title of this episode. God, God is a software engineer. <laughs> I don't get some clicks from. I don't get some clicks from your friends. I, <laughs> I do like how, and this is this is one of the benefits of social media. Maybe one that we didn't think of in the beginning. I love how you uh, put out like four potential titles for the episode to the uh, uh-huh. Leading Saints Facebook group and say, which are you most likely to click on? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's very that's very clever. We should try that here. Then uh, we should try that here. Yeah, <laughs> they'll be so confused. Like, what, what is this episode about? What? <laughs> like, as the end of year, people, we're just having some fun. So yeah, it's the anyways. End of year. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this leads into sort of talk of the you know many people in the secular world frame it the the simulation right where yes that we live in a simulation. This isn't nothing's real. It's like the the matrix dynamic of. Uh, there's, we're just in a program and whatever. And to me, I fully almost embrace that. Like, well, yeah, there's a simulation and there's a (laughs) eternal God and he has a plan and he sort of arranged this in order to help us develop and grow as individual, um, AI, as you can say, right. Yeah. Or, or mortal intelligences or what, what would he spiritual intelligences. Right. And so I don't know, it's, it's sort of interesting to see how there, like in all things, you know, like Nephi talked about, like all things testify of, of that there is a God, right? And even in these new technologies, it's like there's this gravitational pull back to one creator who, you know, gave his only begotten son. And, you know, it's amazing how that sort of we come full circle with a lot of these discussions, even in science and technology. Yeah, well, it's, I, I, yeah, that's a great example. And in fact, the, uh, the the Mormon transhumanists have this whole simulation argument for the. There's another God. wormhole we got to go down. That's another there. wormhole. I'm not. A, I mean, <laughs> I like the Mormon transhumanists. Okay, I do feel like they uh, their their theology is a little bit uh, left uh, a little bit off the beaten path. Okay, we'll come back to this. But we're, okay. finish your point. We'll come back. To well, this. but yeah, but once you once you I once you come with the idea that we might be living in a simulation, then the simulation has to have somebody in charge, right? It has to have a designer. Well, you automatically end up with the idea of a god. Mm-hmm. The minute you the minute you assume we're in a simulation, it's just a matter of determining, you know, what 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 that god wants. And it could be possible that oh, he wants us to be moral, right? He wants us to like that the religion could fall out of of believing the simulation argument. Everybody, and that's part of the thing that I think is so great about having some LDS writers who uh, who are science fiction writers. Mm. is a lot of times they they're able to bridge this gap because a lot of times I find that when I talk to people who are heavily into technology, you know, not necessarily believers, that when you talk to them about these things, they have a hard time thinking that, you know, that the ideas of religion could combine with their ideas in a way that that, you know, is illuminating, that that yeah. gives them more knowledge. They're like, oh, you, you guys are crazy. You don't believe in anything similar I believe. And I'm like, no, we, we believe in yeah. exactly what you believe. <laughs> Yeah, they frame. Oh, you guys have your fairy tales, and I'm actually in in science here. Yes, right. Yes, no. I this is hard headed <laughs> realism here. You know, not you people who are you know off you know uh, attending church every day and, and you know, yeah, praying to someone who doesn't exist. Well, no, no. Like like you're saying that someone like him exists. If you believe in the simulation argument, you just haven't gone as far as we have actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or or we were, you know, prophets were writing about this thousands of years ago, and you're finally coming around. You're finally coming you know? around. You're finally, yeah. finally, finally, the, uh, the the science and the ideology around science is finally caught up, right? That's right. Yeah. All right. So what's this, this organization, which a leading saints neither endorses nor <laughs> <laughs> whatever, <laughs> enter your, your uh, you know, 
statement here, but because uh, I always, as you go to these conferences and things, and I don't think it's not like you're like a card carrying member per se, but it's just, it's an interesting, these are interesting discussions similar to like we're having, they actually have conferences around these, right. these type of discussions. Yeah. So there is an organization called the Mormon Transhumanist Association. And uh, I, the AI thing, I, I actually did a presentation on that at one of their conferences, uh, which I think they liked. Uh, that was my impression. <laughs> I, you can find it online somewhere. Did Maybe your bishop could... like it, though, Ross? That <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can find a link and send it to you. You can post it in the show notes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but they, uh, but I think they, uh, so they've got some interesting ideas. And I think they've done a lot of, of interesting stuff, but. I also feel like they're kind of schismatic, if, <laughs> if I can use that term. Okay. Because some of their ideas uh, involve a lot of, you know, uh, freezing people when they die so they can, <laughs> and, and, and calling that resurrection, right? You know, okay. if you eventually yeah, yeah. unthaw them. And like, well, they'll be resurrected through technology, the assistance of technology, right. not just supernatural, right. godly yeah. power, right? Yeah. yeah. So that they're assuming that technology may be, may be among the methods used by uh, God to bring about all the things he promised, <laughs> this right? Is, yeah, this is so So fun, resurrection could happen by, you know, freezing someone and then unfreezing them, right? Or, or maybe having a sample of their DNA and, and, you know, reconstituting them as a clone and then, you know, mm. impounding their memories or something, you know, then, and they also feel like, um, where I kind of disagree with them is they kind of, to a certain extent, they minimize the role of Christ. Cause I mean, I think most mainstream, I, I believe that Christ is very pivotal to all these promises, right? Like <laughs> to say the you, least, yes. you can't be resurrected without Christ. You can't be saved without Christ. There's a lot of things you can't do without Christ. And they're kind of like, well, no, I think we might be able to do some things without, and, and they, and there's some scriptures that talk about everyone being, saviors to themselves and, and everybody and talking about everybody kind of being their own Messiah and their own savior. And I don't disagree with those. I, th I think there is part of that, but I think that they may be taken a little bit too far Yeah, in terms of, but they, they've got some interesting ideas. They've, they've definitely, they are unafraid to grapple with the intersection of technology and religion. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. They, they've taken the bull by the horns and you know, they're in it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I will give them credit for that. Yeah. And, and again, these aren't like uh, topics or questions you may hear come up in Sunday school class, but it's interesting to hear, you know, as you've told me about some of the presentations and whatnot of these conferences, I'm just like, wow, that is fascinating that, you know, and, and some people probably look at me and, and leading saints and they're like, why do people care? Like, why make a podcast about how to run a meeting? Like, that sounds <laughs> awful. And who cares? And just get the meeting over with. Right. But I'm like, no, this is fascinating. Like, you see how this guy did this outline of this <laughs> meeting agenda? Like, wow, like that's groundbreaking, you know? Um, and so everybody's yeah, well, got their thing. But <laughs> And you're also, I mean, you're also kind of a, a, a pioneer in combining uh, religion and technology at the leadership level. I mean, I think you were, I would never have considered, I mean, I never even heard of a sauna and you were like, you've got to use a sauna to run your meetings That's and right. track your callings and, you know, and, and, and then there's this other, Oh, and you should schedule your tithing, your, your tithing settlements using this other app and you should do. 
So that's right. You've been kind of on the forefront of some of that as well, you know? Yeah. And that's why if I was ever Bishop again, I would put my essence into my uh, Alexa and I would just <laughs> have my counselors gather around the Alexa and then we would make decisions. No, I'm just you just train chat GPT on your corpus of <laughs> works right. and they could, they could pretend to be you. Yeah. We'll just show up in the future and be like, okay, chat GP, whatever. Uh, what is, what's the revelation for the ward today? You know, you've, <laughs> you've run all the scenarios. Who's the next primary president? Obviously. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, this is fun stuff. I mean, just, to, and the, the, there's groups out there. And, and again, you get all, you get all people from all different parts of the spectrum of this, where you've talked about people talking about their own personal seer stones to, um, you know, just people oh, yeah. talking yeah, about, about technology in general. Right. I forgot about that guy. Yeah. The guy who got <laughs> up and said, I have my own seer stone. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. If, oh, somebody, somebody, he, if somebody in Sunday school. It. Oh, he made it? I think he named it. Oh, named it. Oh. As I recall. But I could well, be I could be wrong about that. There you if, You know, I mean, how many Sunday school classes have you been in where somebody references their own personal seer stone? You know, I'm uh, sure it's happened before. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ross, what else? You were working on any other topics or, I mean, any other uh, teasers for your podcast if people want to, if they've enjoyed, if they're still with us at this point, you will enjoy Ross's podcast. So <laughs> jump on over there. Uh, well, I mean, it, to get into less uh, science fiction stuff and more kind of the, where the rubber hits the road in terms of culture and and the changing of the church, there's the story I told you. And in fact, that's going to be my next episode is you remember I told you I, I'd heard the story and I'm, I'm changing some details to make this less identifiable, but guy told me a story that he's in this ward and there's this kid who's been reading lots of anti-Mormon stuff online. We'll call him Adam, right? So Adam's okay. reading a lot of anti-Mormon stuff. He's reading the CES letter. He's doing all this stuff, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And he's 14 and he decides, yeah, I don't want to come to church anymore. I don't believe, right? Now, through a combination of inertia and maybe his parents putting a little bit of pressure on him, he's he was still coming, right? And so the bishop, you know, as bishops are want to do, is is racking his brain. How can we get yeah. this kid more involved? How can we, you know, give him a faith-building experience? What can we do here, right? And so he and his counselors apparently decide to uh, have the dad teach Sunday school. And maybe the dad can interact with him on a way that he can at home. Cause at home, the kids, you know, kid can walk away. The kid's belligerent, but if he's in Sunday school, you know, there's everybody there and he's going to sit and listen and maybe he can pass a message along to his son that he couldn't otherwise. Right. Yeah. So that's her plan. So as my friend tells the story, he's in this, he's in the Sunday school lesson. He's one of the, uh, one of the young men's advisors or whatever they're called these days. <laughs> and, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And the father stands up to teach the lesson. And as soon as the son sees that it's his dad's teaching, he's like, no, not going to happen. And he gets up to leave. And the father kind of pleading says, I really wish you'd stay. You know, mm -hmm. I really. I, and the son says, no, no, sorry. And he walks out the door. And my friend was telling the story because he could not imagine doing that. Right. Like 40 years ago when he was a young man, he could not imagine what his dad would have done, right? If he yeah. had, if his dad had been trying to teach a lesson and he just essentially like, you know, told him off and left the room, he can't even imagine doing that because he can't imagine what his dad would do. I mean, and he's, you know, I'm the same way, right? Like I can't even imagine doing that because I assume, you know, that it would have gotten 
physical, yeah. right? Like, like yeah. Her life would not be easy after that. Life would not be easy after that. Like, yeah. take me out behind the church and I, I mean, whip me or something, or, yeah. you know, or I'd be grounded for a, a million years or, and instead this kid left, he's still, you know, and, and, and he was never seen after that. Or maybe a couple of times I forget, I forget, I forget if, uh, what my friend said, but, uh, you know, he's still, everybody's still chill. He's, he's got the latest iPhone, which apparently is parents can scarcely afford. And so he's, everything is great, even though he left the church. Now, you know, the question is, is, was it better 40 years ago? Is it better now? Yeah. Is it better for the dad to be totally understanding? Is it better? Is it better for him to not be understanding? And, you know, cause I know people who probably would have done that when they were 14, but they were worried what their dad would do. They couldn't imagine doing that. And so they kept going and then they went on a mission and, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, ideally people would have a testimony before they go on a mission, but I think some people develop it on a mission, right? And some yeah. people, and so the question, you know, the question I have out of the story is, you know, are we doing things better than we were back then? And if we're not doing things better then what, you know, what did we lose? What, what should we done? Cause mm-hmm. creating a culture where if you walk out of Sunday school, your parents, you know, disown you and kick you out of the house. That's probably bad too, right? <laughs> is there, is there some kind of happy yeah. medium between yeah. completely rolling over and letting your kids do whatever they want and, and, but all, or, and being demanding and making sure they go to church and do these things, you know, I mean, that's a real struggle for me. And I, yeah. I don't know if it's a struggle for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's like the the wrestle. I mean, that's at the the essence of uh, leadership. This the leadership struggle I think a lot of uh leaders are facing. You know, as I have opportunity to email and interact with leaders across the world, and I sort of, you know, I always come to this question of what's the biggest leadership concern you're facing or problem you're facing? And a lot of them come back to like the youth. Like it's just like, ah, you know, or the young single adults or where it just feels like this tidal wave of, you know, people are, are fleeing the church or, and, and so there's this automatic urgency of we've, we've got to do something right. And, um, and, and that's what it goes to that sort of that spectrum that you talk about. Like, do we, you know, do we really have it wrong 20 years ago? Again, not that we're condoning, you know, physical abuse or anything, but there was right. sort of this culture of like, of compliance and whatnot. And I've heard some people frame it like in, uh, you know, some people frame it as postmodernism where we sort of have overinvested in empathy and, um, advocacy and whatnot, where, you know, it feels like, you know, empathy is such a beautiful thing. And it feels like you can't overinvest in empathy or love or whatever. And oftentimes I make, you know, you'll hear the term a lot, like the gospel is just all about love. And I say, well, I think it starts with love. I don't right. think it's all about love. I mean, love is throughout it, but it's not that we just love them and come what may. Like right. at some point, and, and this is maybe a, a little more controversial for that uh, empathy-rich crowd. Um, and again, we've done so many episodes on the power of empathy and the role of it in, in leadership and the importance of it and whatnot. But you know, I often remind people that at some point all of us are going to have to face the savior and say, and, and, and answer the question of, you know, basically why did you go anywhere else for relief, but me, you know, right. and, and come, you know, no matter what our life experience is or our tendencies or whatever, like whatever we face in mortality, we all have something 
on a daily basis, maybe that we go to for relief that isn't the savior, you know, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Like that isn't just for the Gentiles or even the Jews or the Muslims to to have to answer. Like even the Christians are going to have to answer that. Um, And I think it's worth sitting with of being like, you know, well, is, is there a way to overinvest in some of these these virtues that seem so virtuous? You know? Right. Well, the other example I like to give from the scriptures is Alma, you know, is imagining that he's an angel and he can he can go across the he can go anywhere he wants mm-hmm. and he can talk to everybody in the world, right? Oh, that I were an angel and ha- could have the wish of my heart, right? Mm-hmm. This is his this is his highest dream, right? And when he when he imagines this, he doesn't imagine that he's going to go around the world preaching love. He imagines he's going to go around teaching repentance, right? Like, yeah. which is you're doing something bad. You need to do something different right now. Mm-hmm. Of course, hopefully, hopefully the process of going from doing something bad, to doing something different involves turning to God and feeling his love and becoming a new man and doing all those things. Right. But, mm-hmm. but he's very clearly focused on, we got to stop people from doing bad things, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing a lot of bad things and we got to, we got to change that. Right. And so, I do think that an overemphasis on and well and and love it's easy to turn uh you know a focus on love into a focus on acceptance no matter what right mm-hmm. and 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 to go from acceptance of the person no matter what to acceptance of what the person does no matter what right yeah <laughs> and and that all kind of bleeds very very naturally together but at some point you know a person can do a bad thing, right? <laughs> we, we do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that's like the tightrope that especially leaders or, or parents are just another form of leadership Yeah, that, that we walk is that, um, acceptance is crucial. And, and, you know, I have all sorts of soapboxes about acceptance. Um, and that's why it goes back to the, you know, the gospel starts with love, but at some point there's going to have to be a tough conversation between ourselves and God or Jesus about, no, you need to change. Like repentance is changing and right. you need to change. You and I think, I think the, we, I think a lot of leaders overinvest on that other side of the spectrum of being like, no, I need to make sure that, you know, you need to change and that you're doing something wrong. But we do that way before we've established a relationship of love and acceptance. And then it blows up in our face and we think, why didn't that work? I mean, sure. I, I was yeah. asking him to repent and, it, you know, and so there, there's an order to these things, but, um, I, we, we, we can get stuck on both sides of that that spectrum, but yes, anyways. I think, and I, I think, yes, historically, there was probably too much emphasis on, well, you got to change, man. You got to, you're mm-hmm. a bad person, right? Yeah. And it's possible the pendulum has swung too far the other way, and now yeah. it's like, we love you no matter what. It doesn't matter what yeah. you do. Yeah. Oh, oh, you beat your wife again? That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try not try to do it half as much this week. Try yeah. try not to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and that's where, I mean, this goes into my whole manuscript that will be published in 2023. And Ross, I mean, we've had so many discussions about, um, I, I have read the manuscript. It is, it is, it is a work of art. It, it is. Uh, uh, well, he's being kind in the moment now that we're <laughs> being recorded, but, uh, but I would, you know, I would argue it's not that so much the pendulum has swung too far the other way. It's swung too far the other way and, and somebody grabbed it and it's not swinging back. Like it's got to <laughs> keep swinging, keep moving that, Yes, today you need a, a, you know, we need to swing really far into love. But hey, just so you know, the gravity of the universe will pull us back to 
the the side of you need to change and repentance is real and you know <laughs> re, you know you better check yourself before you wreck yourself but anyways right well and i think that that's i think people sometimes want to simplify the gospel into well if we're just universally accepting then we've done mm-hmm. it right we can check off following the gospel we can check that off our yeah. to do list right yeah in reality the gospel is is pretty complicated right yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah and and i, and I this isn't my, I heard this somewhere else and I'm going to steal it, but often people say like, well, you know, the savior ate with sinners, right? So we should just love people like, yeah, but what were they talking about at that table? You know, like what was the conversation with those sinners? Because yeah, he'll sit down and eat with you and love you, but there's still a tough conversation coming, right? Right. And again, at at some point he's probably going to look deep into your eyes and you're going to feel them piercing down your soul and you're going to feel your unworthiness, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) And change will come, right? And again, it starts with love, but it's not all love. But anyways, do we do it, Ross? Do we? I, I, I think we may have done we it. We have Can built we? Rome. Here we are. Built Rome. Let's not go we did crazy. it. All right. Is this the last episode of Leading Saints? No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. 2023 is coming up and uh, we got, you got all big sorts plans. of plans. And uh, now that. Now that Ross isn't on our board anymore, we can get some work done. And no, I'm just kidding. We let me publicly thank you for the countless hours behind the scenes. Like this is serious. I know you you're not used to sincere Kurt, but uh, <laughs> but let me pull them out for a few minutes. But really, thank you for all you've done for leading Saints and the most people have no idea the influence uh, and the the. T- the horrible ideas that you saved the leading Saints world from by. Uh, being an alternative voice at times that uh, I needed and other members of the board needed. So well, thank you. I, thank you very much. And it, you do good work and, uh, and I'm, uh, I was privileged to be part of it. So, uh, and you have never answered this question publicly. So I'm going to ask you now, I know, uh, really not s- on the first episode on the, the old episode in 2016. Ah, well, let's forget that ever happened. <laughs> let's be honest. It may, okay. it may disappear from the servers at some point. <laughs> it had that, no. it had that great three Nephite story. That's right. Yeah. If you need a good three, ne- there's a great plug. You need a good three Nephite story. Go to that one. But all right, we're going to, I forget what you even said. So considering all of your leadership experience and how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Well, I think it, uh, I think it's expansive because I think that uh, when you're, when you're initially thinking about being a follower of Jesus Christ, it's a very, internal sort of thing. You're thinking about how am I going to do this? How, how am I going to read the scriptures more? How am I going to pray more better? And, you know, and then, but when you become a leader, you're trying to think about that with other people. And then suddenly you have to have the empathy we were talking about and suddenly you have to expand and not everybody is going to, not every advice that work piece of advice that worked for you is going to work for the people you're leading and you got to get into their heads. You got to get in, into their shoes. And so, it's it helped me become a better follower of Christ by helping me understand everybody's journey towards Christ, everybody's, you know, path to follow Christ. And I think that expansion has uh, oftentimes given me tools I didn't previously had and oftentimes given me, uh, you know, uh, uh, motions that I, you know, hadn't previously experienced as I really deeply, you know, got into the the pain and sorrow other people were, uh, were, uh, were going through. So, yeah, I think leader is is it's been expansive. 